Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. If you have your Bibles today, why don't you turn in them to Exodus chapter 33, and uh, the title of the message today is Fact Check, Fact Check. Um, I believe that there are times and moments where uh, you're in a situation and the things that you thought were true or you believed to be true uh, or you knew to be true, you start to question a little bit, so you kind of got to go back to like the facts of, does this really work this way? You ever been doing that, Uh, doing something, and and you realize, like, am I doing this right? For me, it's always working on cars. Um, I'm about halfway through and under a car and um, not Christian anymore, and then I got to call my dad and uh, FaceTime him and be like, what's going on here? Because this is defeating me. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to reiterate and reassure yourself of things that you do know. And in Exodus chapter 33, uh, we find Moses having a conversation with God. And uh, a few weeks back, I, I talked about how God is consistently consistent. When he, he first meets Moses, he says to him, tell the people of Israel, I am has sent you. The I am God, the beginning and the end. I'm, I'm consistently consistent. I'm faithful. I'm true. But, you know, we get to Exodus 33, and Moses is in the wilderness with these people after seeing all the miracles of what happened in Egypt. And, and he's beginning to question. He's like, God, are, are you sure this is really going on? And, and this leads to the, the, the climax moment of the book of Exodus in Exodus 34, where uh, Moses goes on the mountain, and God passes by him, and God calls out his own name, and that's significant, because in our humanity, what we tend to do is we try to name God based on our perception of him, so when we give God a name, it's how we want God to look. When God declares his own name, it's true to his character and who he is, and it always has astounded me throughout scripture that God never let anybody see his form or his complete likeness. Why? So we wouldn't make graven images or idols in the shape of God. God never in scripture gives his true form to humanity. Why? Because every time people thought they had a form of something they could worship, they created idols and it led them down a really broken path. And in Exodus 34, God calls out his name, Yahweh. Gracious and compassionate, faithful to a thousand generations, long-suffering, slow to anger. This is who he declares himself to be. But in Exodus 33, uh, Moses is having a conversation right before he goes back up onto the mountain to, to experience all these things. Because he's, he's trying to check some of the facts of what's going on and why they're in the wilderness and what, what's going on. Because there has been a promised land. There's been a promise of God. And Moses is kind of like, God, where's the promise? You ever been there in your life? Lord, I thought you said, and you're like, that promise seems so far away. And so in the middle of it, you start questioning, did I get this right? Am I going the right direction? Is something gone sideways? Is there something wrong with me? God, is there something wrong with you? What's going on? And Moses in Exodus 33 comes to this place where he's having a conversation with God. And I think it's really significant that this happens immediately after we see him in the tent of meeting. The people are standing at their doorways watching the presence of God descend. Joshua stays in the tent of meeting and, and, and to meet with God. And then kind of it, it shifts in the story. And we pick up in verse 12 right here. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, 
You've been telling me. You ever done that to God? It's like, God, you said, you know. Lord, I, I, I'm just in a situation right now, and I want to have a conversation with you because you told me, or you said, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. That's an interesting place to be. God has told you that he will do something in your life or take you somewhere, but he hasn't told you how, when, or what it's going to look like. You haven't told me who you'll send with me. You have told me. I know you by name, and I look favorably upon you. So he goes, God, I know you've spoken to me. I know you know who I am. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continually enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. So the Lord replied, I will personally go with you. Moses, and I will give you rest, and everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what I have asked, what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. You know, every once in a while, we get into these moments where we got to check some of the facts. We need these conversations that just reassure our hearts of some of the things that are going on. Now, years ago, this would have been a lot harder to do. You would have to find someone you would trust. You would have to find someone who knows more about something than you know about it. And uh, nowadays, we just open up our phones, throw it in Google, watch a YouTube video of any guy who thinks he's a mechanic on the internet showing you what to do with their vehicle. And uh, you can find some pretty amazing, amazing things uh, when you're doing that. And I remember one time... uh, Brandy and I were watching a movie when we lived in BC, uh, and uh, the guy was trying to learn how to do something, and the movie set in the 70s, and Brandy says, like, a movie, like, why wouldn't you just Google that? I'm like, 1970-something, babe. Like, there was, like, you literally, some of you remember this. Some of you have to, like, my kids don't understand this at all. They want to know how to do something. They want to know stats about, you know, hockey or football or cubing or whatever they want to know about. They, they can look it up on Google, YouTube. Something's there to give them some sort of answer. But how many of you remember that? If you wanted to learn something, you had to find someone who knew more about that than you, and you actually had to trust that they knew what they were doing. Moses, leading a nation of people, God's people, There had been no other leader before him. Closest thing he had to a leader and a good leader to give him advice in his life was Jethro, who Jethro meets him in the wilderness and says, hey, I'll give you some advice, Moses. It's better if you do this with a team of people. Don't do this all on your own. But there were certain situations Moses was coming up against, and he says, God, you're the only one I got. you got to reassure me of some of these things. i got to check the facts again. You've said that you know my name and you look favorably on me. He's like saying, God, I want to hear that again. I want to know that I'm still doing what you've asked me to do. And then he says, God, and you got to remember, Lord, like, because they're in this argument about how stiff-necked and stubborn the people are, because even after God shows him his presence and, and calls out his name, God goes into all the laws again of the Ten Commandments, because he goes, this is how stubborn these people are. And Moses is like, God, remember, you said they're your people. Like, I'm leading your people. Like, I 
didn't choose these people, their stubbornness and bitterness and all this stuff. Like, so if they're your people, God, you got to take them where we're going. It's not my job, God. Like, I'm doing this with you. And he starts checking all these facts, and he starts walking through this situation with the Lord. And, and I, I find it really interesting that some of the things that Moses asks for in this portion of Scripture are actually what I believe are some of the most important things for our lives. Is The first thing he says is, Lord, then, then show me your ways so I can gain more favor with you. And then he says, give me your presence so I don't have to go alone. And don't go, we won't go if you're not going with us. And then he says, show me your glory. And I think in time and days and culture, we've got this backwards. People have focused in on show me your glory, Lord, and they want the glory of God, and they want these amazing encounters. And it never translates into life change where they want to walk with his presence daily. And it never translates into wanting to learn God's ways and to know his path and his patterns. And Moses gets all three of them. I believe that's why God actually showed Moses his glory. Now, don't get me wrong. Powerful encounters with Jesus, it's what we believe in. It's why we gather. Uh, I, I think they're so amazing. But if all you ever do is chase one encounter after the next in life, and you're kind of like glory cloud searching and going from place to place, you will be an unstable, unhealthy Christian because you've never settled into the presence of God daily in your life, how to carry it, walk it out, and the ways of God and the patterns of God for your life, your family, your future. I think we need all three of those things. And Moses gets those all together, but he's still, even in all of those things, he wants to check the facts because promises can often feel paused in our lives. See, Moses had to get his eyes back on Jesus because the promised land was definitely paused. Like, there was no question about it. They were in a period of 40 years of wandering in the desert. Like, there was, there was a, a pause and a delay on the promise that they thought that they were going to see. And, and when promises get paused, every once in a while, you're going to start to question God. You're going to ask him, where are you right now? What's going on? Can you reassure me of this? And that's probably one of the healthiest, best places to be. Don't go ask a bunch of other people. Go ask the Lord. Lord, what are you doing right now? How am I supposed to respond in this situation? What can I do? Because when we get lost in the confusion of a paused promise, we tend to run to way too many things that lead us down a path that is broken and hurting. Why? Because we tried to make it happen on our own. And I would argue today with you that when we talk about the character and the nature of God, just because a promise is paused in your life, it doesn't mean his promises aren't real, present, and powerful for right now. Because we're often looking at a tangible outcome promise. And I believe that God shows himself more in the intangible character, nature of who he is promises in our life day in and day out. I believe God is more present in those than the thing that you've been hoping for and wishing for working out the way you want it to. It's more powerful when you can understand the personal, present promise of God for your everyday life. Because we all have dreams. We all have things that we want to see happen. We all have things we want to go after for our kids, for our families, for our lives, for everything that's within us. We have desires. We have wants. But those things being fulfilled will not actually ever equate to the promise we can walk in when we understand the true character and nature of God and his faithfulness every day. 
And, and Moses, when he's checking these facts, he's really asking God, what do I need to get my eyes back on? Because he's saying, Lord, I know that you've called me to do this, but I, this is kind of delayed. I don't know how it's going to happen. And I just want to check with you and I want to see your glory because I need some reassurance in my heart and in my life that you are still with us. Because I don't want to go if you're not with us. Sometimes I believe we got to get our eyes off of the when is the promise going to happen? How is the promise going to happen? Where is it going to happen? And I actually think we need to start asking ourselves more often than not, God, what is your promise for me today, right now? Because we need to learn to stand on the promises of God in day-to-day -day life not just believe that he answers promises when that one or two or three big things happen in our lives. Because uh, I'm beginning to realize you'll probably get um, three to five stories of these amazing, world-shaking, changing promises or miracles of God in your life. But if you look at the faithfulness of God in every season and every situation, seeing the promise of God in that you will see thousands and hundreds of thousands of those in your life. And sometimes we're looking for the when and the what, where we got to say, God, what's your promise right now? What are you fulfilling right now in my life? Because I believe that God's promises are powerful. And today, all I want to really do is remind you of two things. Two things that I believe when we are walking through life and we experience delays, pauses, things maybe not working out the way we think they should, two things that we can come back to about the faithfulness of God, the character, the nature of God, and his promises that will actually hold us and help us and cause us to see more promises answered in our lives than we could ever imagined. It's not making the big thing happen. It's actually realizing the promises that are always happening in our lives. So number one today, everyone say number one. I think that one of the most important things that we can learn and we can live with in our life is that he promises to go with us. He promises to go with you to that doctor's office. He promises to go with you to that job interview. He promises to go with you to that celebration. He promises to go with you through that dark season. He promises to go with you into the best time and season of your life. He promises that he will be with you. And this is what Moses said. He said uh, in verse 14 and 15, the Lord replied to Moses. He said, I will go with you personally. And then Moses says, if you don't go personally with us, don't make us leave this place. When was the last time when you made a decision, when you made a change in your life, when you walked something out, you, the, the first question that you asked in your heart was, God, will you go with me in this? Because so often we, we want to do what we want to do and we want to chase what we want to chase. But I think if we settled back into the place saying, Lord, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go there. Because the promise of you being present with me in every situation is more powerful than any experience I could have on this side of eternity. That changes the way we live. It actually changes the way we walk through the season that we're currently in. Because God promises to go with us. And Moses is like, God, I just got to double check this. Because you said, it's your presence that sets me apart from everyone else in the earth. 
Notice that Moses uses this language. He says, it sets your people apart and it sets me apart as a leader. Moses knew that the presence of God was corporate and it was personal. He knew that the people of God needed God's presence, that they needed to move in step with his leading, his timing, his moving, and he knew that in his own life personally, he had to do the same thing. And he says, Lord, I I need to know that you promise to be with us. Exodus 33, verse 16 and 17 says this, How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets us your people, and me apart from all other people of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for, for I have looked favorably upon you, and I know you by name. I want us to remember today that it is actually the presence of Jesus that gives us power to keep moving. A call on your life, a promise of destiny, a fulfilled dream will never keep you moving in the right direction. Because one day you will get so discouraged you want to quit. The next day you will get so tired that you just don't think you can make it. Another day you will seem so far away you'll try something else because you look for a more immediate sense of satisfaction. Let me tell you that the promise of the presence of Jesus is the thing that keeps you moving towards those things. Because as people and as humans, God could promise you the greatest call and destiny in the world. And you will get bored with it if it gets delayed too long. But the presence of Jesus active in your life day in, day out, every day moving you forward will help you on good days and bad days say, I'm moving forward. Why? Because Jesus promised to be with me. And I don't know where you're at today. I just felt that some people here need to be encouraged and reminded today that one of the most powerful promises you have in your life is that God is with you, that his presence is with you. He wants to surround you. He wants to be near. So that's number one. If you are in a season where the promise that you've been looking at seems delayed or afar off, you just need to get your eyes onto Jesus and say, the actual promise I need to focus on today is that your presence is here with me. You're right here beside me. You're going to keep me moving from today to tomorrow to the next day. But the second thing that I believe we need in these moments in time, everyone say number two. Number two is this, that he promises us rest. But not just rest, peace for our souls. I'm going to give Gary Reimer a shout out on the podcast because apparently he's in Jamaica. I would like some of that kind of rest. But Jamaica can't bring peace for your soul. Jesus can. Jesus in Jamaica would be like the best thing in the world. Come on. Just little worship music in the ocean. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now I'm coveting what my friend has. God bless him. He promises us rest, but not just rest, peace for our souls. Because some of us, and I'm probably the worst culprit for this, some of us have a very difficult time resting. Why? Because we can't rest because we're so restless. I hate resting. I've had a cold. I should have sat on the couch and watched movies with my kids all day yesterday. Instead, I was a good father and I made them clean the yard and put all the stuff away before the snow flies. 
And I said to my wife, I hated when my dad did this to me, but I'm not a useless father and husband because of it, and my boys won't be either. Because <laughs> they'll know how to do some of these things, take care of their family. You tell 14 and 15-year-old boys that they don't care. <laughs> it's difficult to rest when you haven't dealt with the restlessness that's going on inside. And sometimes your restlessness is a byproduct of not laying some things down at the feet of Jesus and taking the time that you need to trust that he's in control when you can't control something. And what I've learned in my life is that there are days and moments and times where I need to do something to feel productive, to get a quick win, because it's my personality, it's my nature, it's what helps me not get caught in a uh, vortex of thoughts and discouragement. But then there are times where the rest that I need is to go for a run. There's times where the rest that I need is to go sit somewhere by myself, open the Word of God, and let that wash over my heart and my thoughts. And sometimes pausing in that is the best thing I can do, even though there's a million other things to do. Because it reframes perspective of who God is and where he's taking me, not just where I want to get to and how I'm going to make it happen and how I can't make it happen on my own and how you're weary and how you're tired. And see, Jesus promises us rest and he promises us peace for our souls. It's amazing to me that God to Moses in this time, he says, not only will I go with you, he says, I'll give you rest. He says, Moses, I'll, I'll give you rest. And you don't have to worry about these things over and over again all the time. I, I said I'm with you. My presence is with you. And you can rest in that fact, Moses. I mean, we can talk about stress in our lives, but Moses had a million plus people that really only answered to him. You know, maybe a couple hundred other leaders, but if they couldn't deal with it, it still came to Moses. And in Exodus 33, verse 14, it says this, The Lord replied, I'll personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest, and everything will be fine for you. He's like, Moses, don't worry. Not only am I going to go with you, my promise to you is rest and peace for your soul. How hard is it for us to live in that mindset where it's like, I'm going to live today and believe that I can rest because God is working and everything will be fine for me because I'm following Jesus. <laughs> that's a tough one. Because like, if we're honest with ourselves, that's not how we want to live. I want to make things better. I want to fix it. I want an answer now. I don't want to sit at home and wait for God to work. I don't want to do all these things. Like, I, I literally want to make it happen. And, and sometimes we got to come back to this place where instead of looking for something to happen or when is this going to work out or when is this situation going to change, we need to just say, God, I'm so glad that you're present with me right now. And I'm going to rest and find peace for my soul because, God, that is your promise for me today. And, and my question to you today is where do you find your rest? Because I don't think we find our rest in another toy. I don't think we find our rest in another vacation. I don't think we find our rest in a new relationship. I don't think we find our rest in more stuff. I think we find escapes. I think we find band-aids. I think we find 
sometimes a measure of happiness in life in, in some of the things that we can do. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to enjoy life with your family and go do something fun with your kids. But rest like that does not bring peace if you are not at peace with Jesus. There is a peace and a rest that comes in the midst of all of that that only comes from Jesus. Because you can be doing the most amazing thing with your family and still be restless on the inside and not enjoy any of it. But God promises us a rest for our souls and a peace for our souls. And we have to ask ourselves, where am I going to to find my rest? Because my rest needs to be found in Jesus. This is why Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said this, I'm leaving you a gift. And it's like, okay, Jesus, what's a gift? Holy Spirit, that's a great gift. But before he sends the Holy Spirit, he says to the disciples, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. Like, I don't know about you, but some, some days I, I really want to pray that prayer. Lord, I need that gift. I need peace of mind and heart. Could I have uh, Rebecca come back up on the keys, please? But he goes on to say this, and the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. And right there, Jesus frames it. If you're looking for that peace, if you're looking for that rest in anything on this side of eternity, Jesus says, I'm sorry you're not going to find it there. But I'm giving you this gift. And so he says this. He's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. It's mentioned more than almost any other phrase. So he says, so do not be afraid. Jesus said, look... Things aren't going to seem perfect. Some days are going to be worse than others. But I'm going to leave you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. So don't be afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't get so wrapped up in all of this stuff. I want to be with you. And I'm going to give you peace in your heart and in your mind. And I'm going to give you rest for your soul so you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. And then he goes on in the next chapters telling them about how they're going to be persecuted and hated and all of these things. And how he's going to suffer and how he's going to die. And then we get to John chapter 16 and he ends like this. He says, I've told you all of this so that your peace would be in me. Jesus, what are you doing here? I told you, I'm going to give you a gift of peace of mind and heart, and then I'm going to tell you, you might suffer. It might not work out the way that you want to. Jesus never promised us a walk with him that involves zero suffering, zero cost, zero sacrifice. He never promised any of that. He actually lays it out for the disciples, the things that they would go through, the way the world would treat them, how bad the world would get. And he comes back to them in, in chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. And in these three chapters, he unpacks all this stuff. After he said, don't be afraid, he says, but in verse 33, he says this, I've told you all of this. Why? So your peace would be in me. Our peace is not meant to be in anything on this side of eternity. It's meant to be in Jesus. So here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And today, why don't we stand? And I, I want to pray over everyone here, and I really just believe that today the Holy Spirit is coming to speak to our hearts.
And if you've been questioning, if you've been wondering, and you've been asking God, where are you? And when is this going to happen? And I don't know what to focus on. I think what the Lord really wants to do for each of us today is bring us back to a fact check of who he is currently in our present situation, not how something down the line is going to work out. And the reality for some of us today, you need to feel and, and know in a fresh way that he is with you. He promises to be with you. So that thing that you're worried about tomorrow, he promises he'll be with you in that situation. The thing that you don't have an answer for, you're still gonna have to work on that thing, but God promises he'll be with you if you would let him in and you would make those decisions with him. I feel like some people just, we hit difficult situations in our life and we just question, God, are you really with me? Do you really care? And we've kind of been talking about the names of God. I talked about the I am nature of God. He declares himself Yahweh to Moses later, but one of the names given to Jesus was Emmanuel, that God is with us. The prophetic declaration was God wants to be with us. He wants to walk beside us. He, uh, he identifies with our, our, our suffering. He took everything that we go through to the cross, like Larry explained today in the covenants and communion. And, and, and sometimes we still question and wonder and say, God, do you want to be with me? And the answer is yes. And I'm not here to condemn anyone who's questioning that today. I'm here to remind you his answer is yes. His promise to you today is that he is with you. He wants to draw near. The Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But for some today, I believe that the thing that God wants to check in your heart, the, the fact that he wants to reestablish is, is that he has promised you rest and peace. But you won't find that in the world. And I believe that God is calling some of us to a fresh place of intimacy with him so that the rest and the peace that we find comes from the very throne of heaven, from the heart of Jesus, for his, from his love and his care for our lives. Because if we would get our eyes off of those things that are so far out there that haven't happened yet, and we would get our eyes in the day-to-day -day of the promise of God that is present and it is real and it is now, it tells us that he's here. It tells us that he wants to be near. It tells us that he is with us. It tells us that we can have peace in the midst of any situation. It tells us that we can have peace in our minds and in our hearts. It can tell us that we don't have to be afraid because the world can't take it away and the world can't give us that peace. But when we center in on Jesus, we can check our hearts and align them with the realities and the facts of heaven that Jesus is our peace and he is present. So in Exodus 34, verse 14, the message translation says, God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. I think a great New Testament counterpart of that is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. This morning, I want to ask two things. Number one, if you're here today and you would say, I I really need a fresh encounter with the presence of God to know that he is with me and that he is near. Could you just slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them down. You see, we could try to go back into worship and manufacture some encounter or presence, but I actually believe that this is something the Lord's going to work out in your life this week. That as you draw near to him, the encounter does not have to be a mountaintop one. The encounter is sometimes a conversation with God where you hear the Holy Spirit so clearly just whisper into your soul, I haven't left. I'm right here. What are you going through? What's the cry of your heart? What are you asking me for? But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you find margin and time to make room to have that encounter with Jesus. But number two today, I would ask if you're in this place, how many would say I need a fresh peace and I need to start trusting on the the nature and character of God again? I need that peace of heart and mind because I, I'm not finding it in any of the other stuff I'm trying. I need it in Jesus. We'd say that's you today. You slip up your hand. I need that fresh peace of heart and mind. I believe that God is going to give that in a supernatural way when we throw ourselves into who Jesus is. That last song that we, we sang, I, I, I love the lyrics. I, I think we need to sing that more like, Jesus, would you be my obsession? Jesus, would you be my confession, that the confession on my mouth, the things that come out of my mouth are the promises of God that are present and real right now, not what hasn't happened yet, what I'm feeling. Sometimes we need the confession of our mouth to be who Jesus is in the midst of everything. And that's faithful and true and with us and our peace and our strength and our shield because that's who he is. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.